0: welcome to flanagan's ecologic i am your host ted flanagan and this week we're going to be talking about community choice aggregation with beth vaughn she's the executive director of the california community choice association what they call the voice of community choice really pleased to have beth on the podcast today. Beth, welcome to the podcast. It's great to meet you.
1: Thank you for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really, really pleased. And, and what is on, the, I've already introduced you as the executive director of the California Community Choice Association. What are you working on this week? What's hot right now?
1: Wow, what isn't hot? Uh, <laughs> you're you're going to hear the air conditioning running in the background. I think we're headed into another heat wave. Um, just got off the phone with the governor's office as we prepare for the heat wave. Last September here in California over Labor Day weekend, we had um, an incident that went on for quite a while, Thursday through to the following Tuesday. And so we as community choice aggregators are on call to help out um, with shifting load um, of our customers, both um, um, residential and commercial. And uh, the governor's office actually, unfortunately, this has been happening year after year. And so they have a very precise process Uh, That's very inclusive, um, where we do stand up calls in the morning and at night and really monitor the situation and do what we can. So that's what I'm preparing. That's one of the things I'm preparing for. Um, The other I was going to say is, well, what's hot is climate change. This is all part of climate change. And so um, reliability, again, associated with heat waves. But it's something constantly that we're working on here at, at the California Community Choice Association with um, the regulators with stakeholders really looking at um, what does this energy transition look like? How do we get from here to a clean energy future um, and get off of fossil fuels um, in a timely manner um, so that yep. it's not causing more degradation to the climate?
0: You know, you, you, got, me, got, you got me thinking here already. Uh, but just in terms of, of this week in the governor's office, and, and are, are, is the grid, are we close to being maxed out now?
1: No, what's really interesting is um, the independent system operator has a fantastic app that you can download onto your phone. And if you're nerdy like me and most of the folks in the energy sector, you can follow the demand curves and the supply curves. So, in fact, what happens in July is a lot of folks go on vacation and the demand actually isn't as high as you would have thought it would be during the, the heat wave. However, we're part of the Western United States. And if you recall, even when California was, say, cooler last week, other parts are very, very hot. So we tend to export energy now to other states um, in in the West. And consequently, we have to really watch that peak period between 4 p.m. and 9 p.m. to make sure that um, our energy supply is meeting our demand.
0: But we're not now we're we have contracts. Your member agencies all have contracts for, for firm power. Yes. Uh, we're not curtailing power to send power out of state, are we?
1: It's, um, well, sometimes, uh, yeah, um, solar is curtailed in the middle of the day. Um, it's, unfortunately, it's something regular that happens. What's great now is having introduced batteries and been able to, to um, install more and more batteries every year, that energy gets stored to be used during the peak. Um, but um, at the moment there are, you know, when our neighbors need help, um, their energy and capacity are, are exported from the state.
0: It's pretty fantastic. Let, let's, let's talk about the, the Cal CCA and, and what your mission is and your members. So start with the mission. What is the mission?
1: Uh, well, um, our mission uh, basically um, is we are the association back in the day It was formed in 2016, the California Community Choice Association. And I always said we were the startup of the startups, right? We were the association where some um, members had the foresight to bring us together and say, we're going to need to be able to to work together to coordinate particularly around legislative and regulatory advocacy. So that's one of our major roles. Um, And the second is to share best practices. So we as Cal CCA, sometimes I feel like I'm the CEO of this massive organization where nobody really works for me. So I don't really get to tell them what to do, but we have <laughs> a board of 16, we have 24 CCAs. But below that, I have to tell you, I have 12 staff committees now, it could be regulatory, legislative, marketing, procurement, general counsel, um, you name it. We, we've grown as they have grown and in any one day we have over 400 people touch the SharePoint that we operate to be able to access agendas and committee meetings and white papers that we pull together. We have these committees and then we have tiger teams and don't ask me why they're tigers. They all want them to be tigers. Um, but we'll we'll work on some of these very complex issues facing the state and facing the CCAs.
0: Yeah, that's really great. We've had we've had Ted Bardecky on the podcast. Yes. And we and I had Karen Karen Burns, also from San yes. Diego, who's, right. who's a dynamo. Is there a national association? I mean, CCAs are across the country, aren't they?
1: No, that's a really, really good question. Um, so not yet. Um I have to admit, they brought me on in twenty seventeen to be the first executive director but to build something from scratch so i had my head down focused on california some really big challenges in the regulatory environment at the time and um for the last six years i feel like the focus has been very internally focused on on california where we've gone from a few hundred thousand customers to now over 14 million customers so over a third of the um uh, folks here in California, the population of California is served by CCAs. So that's been a, um, to do that, it's been building it, you know, brick by brick, the foundation, um, right up to, I think it was this past January, we published um, a, a set of guidelines for the CCAs around model practices. It could be finance, risk management, procurement, governance, that sort of stuff. So we've been very deliberate. And now I finally feel, you um, that it's time to look outside of the state. And there are different models of CCAs that are happening in, in various states around the United States. Um, but I would have to say my first focus is probably the West. For the yeah. reasons I was mentioning, this kind of Western market and how do we coordinate and work best together.
0: With our with our weather with our weather patterns and our, our geography. Yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, one third of, of Californians now are getting their power from a community choice aggregator. Um, So for, for, I know what they get, but for the benefit of some of our listeners that might not really understand the CCA model, what do they get?
1: Okay. So to be blunt, 90% of the job of a CCA community choice aggregator is to procure energy. That's what they've got to do for their, for their customers. And so I was mentioning um, um, the number of customers that translates into for, so the CCAs procure the generation. Um, we've done over 12 gigawatts. So that's with a lot of zeros on it of new, clean, renewable energy um, and storage, clean energy storage um, in the, since CCAs were first started in 2010. And that represents over $15 billion worth of investment. So that's primarily what a CCA does. What's really cool about CCAs, what I love about it, is that there are no private shareholders, right? These are local government entities. So the revenue comes back to the CCA and goes back into the local community. And that's where you get these programs, which are really tailored to the community. And it could be anything from um, electrifying the built environment or electric vehicles and creating a network of EV stations. It could be around resiliency, right? Helping, again, these heat waves we've had or these public safety power shutoffs. Uh, really brought home the fact that there are people on what we call the medical baseline who they can't afford to not have power in their home to you know to power the oxygen that they breathe. Well, the CCAs, right because they're very focused on their communities, they get to know their community, they have the stats around their community. Um, I know of of those that that have have brought um, local generation, solar and storage to those individual homes or even if necessary, a backup generator of some sort. So it's, what I love about CCAs is it's local, the local community determines what programs they're going to have, and directs that funding into those programs. A lot of it is outreach for low income, for, you know, making things accessible, like EVs, right? Well, not everybody can have a Tesla. So how do you go about creating those subsidies and those incentives? And what they do over and over, and these are best practices that we share, is you partner with CBOs community based organizations who need that funding who need that support in order to target the individuals that need the help so it's it's
0: such a win so, such a such a win win you're 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 taking the sort of the profitability out of the power sector and you're you're putting it right into accelerating renewables and putting it right in right into the community right
1: that's exactly it. That's exactly so, it. And so why wouldn't
0: why wouldn't every why, what about the other two thirds of Californians that aren't in in CCAs? Well,
1: to be fair, so one of the um, designs of the model is CCAs can only form in the investor owned utility space. Their footprint, and that's been traditionally seventy five percent of. California's retail sales has been so that's
0: by added. by stat by statute by government by statute, statute absolutely the, the other the munis are the munis um, are exempt from this
1: correct there are sister organizations right but they're vertically integrated so they do not just generation but also the distribution system yeah. which we do not and i would have to say that originally there was a lot of tension between the IOUs and the CCAs right as the CCAs were launching and you're taking away yeah. our business and yeah but 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 honestly that's a fallacy because the generation side of it is supposed to be a pass through on, on the IOUs balance sheet, right? They're not supposed to be making a profit off of this. And, um, and so I would say now since the launch of MCE in 2010, and certainly 2018, there was 10 CCAs were launched. I think that was kind of the peak for the number that were launched. Um, Now I see the IOUs as a partner, and i see a lot more partnerships where together the cca the iou it could be the direct access folks it could be the muni it could be silicon valley, silicon valley power um down in in the southern mm-hmm. part here of of the peninsula along with pge along with east bay community energy or san jose clean energy they all get together and they'll do something together like the ev network
0: right it makes, it makes like, me think when you, when you mention the iou partnership it makes me think that that the CCAs have, have proven the model that if in fact generation is a pass-through and it's intended to be, then why not do it with maximize renewables and maximize, you know, this, like you said, this flow back to the community in the shape of resiliency programs and low-income programs and life support, all, all that all that good stuff, right?
1: Well, so you have San Diego Gas and Electric, right? The three major IOUs, PGE, and Edison, and San Diego Gas Electric. As is has said, We want out 100% out of generation. Don't make us the provider of last resort public utilities commission. Don't make, we're we're out because by Hmm. the end of 2025, when you combine community choice aggregation and direct access, it's going to be over 80% of the customers in San Diego Gas and Electrics territory are no longer going to be served by SDG&E. They'll still have the distribution, the wires. They're still going to do the wires, but nothing else. One could argue that PG&E should look at it the same way. They're going yeah. to be at about sixty percent with the CCAs and the DAs. Edison's a different story, that that territory. But part of that is you know it started up here in PG&E's territory and it rolled down down south. Um, and then we have just two very very large CCAs in the San Diego area. So I see this as part of being the transition that we're talking about.
0: It's interesting. One of the one of the uh, you're making some great points. My one of my colleagues, who I have a lot of respect for he said well won't won't ccas be short lived i mean by i think it's 2045 all utilities in california have to be delivering 100% renewable power if that's the case won't this won't the mission of the cca go away and i think you're saying no no there's a lot more that's going on there yeah than just being a, a renewable energy provider
1: and and to be fair to your friend here um, so you, we're we're not wrong in that It was kind of sold as, oh, we'll be more aggressive at getting to our goals. Well, I think by being a new market participant, they have pushed everybody to get to the goals faster, right? Just like anything, you add a little competition and then everybody's trying to be better than the other. Um, Why I don't think CCAs are going to go away is um, they have proven themselves and they get. the model gets stronger as time passes. And so what I mean by that is look at the financial side of the model. Um, first of all, when they launch, right, it's on a wing and a prayer. And, um, and, and the rates can be variable. You might not be cheaper, can't afford to be cheaper. You can try to be competitive. But as the CCAs build up reserves, they can bring that rate stability. Yep. And they have, and it's, it's proven. The other thing is we have so many of them getting excellent um, investment-grade credit w- ratings, so they're very well-off financially, which enables them to borrow at significantly lower costs. Also, again, because they're local governments, they've got financing tools available to them that are not available to the investor-owned utility. And in fact, we have a couple of sister organizations. One is the California um, Community Choice Financing Authority where a group of CCAs have gotten together and they they are able to um, do these prepayment um, structures. So, for instance, they've issued mun- municipal clean energy project revenue bonds. Um, so far, $5 billion in these bonds, which are estimated over the next 30 years, that's the length of the power purchase agreements, to um, bring up to, they should, I think it's over $800 million in cost savings to the ratepayer. So we've got these different things that can be done. So that's one part of it. But then I think when I'm, I still go back to my other point that's about local decision making, people feel they have access to it. They don't feel like they can go to a PG&E board meeting, right? But they can certainly go to their uh, um, uh, local council meeting at San Jose Clean Energy. They can go to Central Coast Community Energy. Um, The headquarters is in Monterey. And you can show up to the monthly board meeting and say your piece. It's transparent, local decision making.
0: Yeah. yeah and good point. And, and I guess that it just begs the question, what is the right scale? And and maybe this is another thing that the CCAs in California have proven. You don't need to be pg e sized or Edison sized to be able to, to get capital at the lowest interest rates. Um, and in fact, in order to have that access, like you said, the local government, the local access, the people, uh, is there is there an ideal scale? Now, there's 24, 25 CCAs in California,
1: So I'm going to be um, very honest here. I don't get obsessed with the number. What I look at is the actual load. So yeah, 24, 25, if you're Mm -hmm. small, we have a structure. If you're a single city, as opposed to a joint powers authority, we have a model where you can be part of a larger JPA authority. We have another sister organization called the California Community Power uh, Authority that does Procurement together at scale, CC Power, and what's kind of cool about them is they try to do um, go into emerging technologies, so like long duration storage, right? It's not your standard solar and um, storage. It's looking at new innovations around geothermal, um, that sort of thing. So, so we have that entity all set up and ready to go. Um, but, but it's so when I go back to the load, right? What we're seeing now is um, the last new CCA to launch was um, Epic last October, I'm trying to think what, Palmdale, (laughs) sorry, Mm -hmm. a city of Palmdale. Um, I don't see new ones um, next year. What I see are expansions. So what happens is a city or a county decides to join an existing CCA. And that's what creates, that's why the load keeps getting larger and larger.
0: Are you saying that if a single city is there there a load threshold that you need to have in order to form a CCA? I
1: don't see it in the POUs, and I don't know that there is for a CCA. Um,
0: And and as you said, they can always aggregate together with other, like, like the mini munis do or the micro munis do, I think, as well.
1: There are, you know, now that we're this you know several years into it like i said we've built up that foundation so there are structures to support the single city small yep. um cca um yeah
0: so what about what what programs are you most excited about you mentioned uh, some energy resilience you mentioned some some of this you know support medical medical support but um uh, and i talked to karen burns karen burns about workforce development uh in san diego which i thought was fascinating what what are, what are some of the programs that you're most excited about? That I, I feel like Orlando?
1: you're trying to make me choose between my children here.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not trying to. <laughs> who, who,
1: who do I love better? Um, well,
0: then, you, then I would make you say you like Ted Bardicke's program because we work for the Clean Power. Well, we also work for East Bay Community Energy on the resiliency side. So.
1: <laughs> well, and, and resiliency is a great one. So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to... Um, number one i think they're all awesome but what i really love about the ccas and i don't know if this is an ethic of local government but we share our successes and our failures with each other so somebody might start a program and it doesn't work so let's share those results we do green bag webinars internally uh, regularly a couple every month with topics like that to share well how did you do this how did you get credit ratings how did you um, how did you start your EV program? Why don't you have the subsidy program anymore? Oh, it's because you were successful or because it didn't actually target the right people. Um and 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 so it's all you know super interesting. What we've done on our website is we've created a page where we look at some of the different types of programs which helps other CCAs get a flavor and a taste of what each other does. We highlighted in our quarterly newsletter. Um, and then what we did this past year is we actually created the community impact awards. And we had people submit under the headers of equity, decarbonization, and resiliency, the different projects that they had. And I'll tell you, I am never gonna be a judge again, because it does force you to choose between your children, which is very unfair. Um, But what came out for all of us is um, the top three, one was Peninsula Clean Energy, and it was around those outreach grants that I spoke of, because they really have become a template for other CCAs about how to work with community-based organizations. And, and all of these programs have, could quantify the different the, the difference that they'd made in a community and what they had actually done to um, ensure equity, right? Yep. To yep. address decarb. um So they won an award. Another one is Redwood Coast Energy Authority, um, who had for the CCAs one of the first microgrids for critical facilities, right? And if that's a great topic for one of your podcasts, get Matthew Marshall on here to talk about what they did. And it included the CCA owning for its first time, some of that infrastructure around energy storage, for instance. Um, and it's a great story to tell because I remember back in 2018, in July 2018, we went up there and we toured um, we, we had a board meeting plus a procurement committee meeting all sorts of stuff and they put on a show for us so we could go to a biomass facility we could go um learn what they were doing with offshore wind way back then they already had a memorandum of understanding with some of the developers um talked with the community and in this instance lancaster city of lancaster folks came up saw what was happening on the rancheria the blue lake microgrid there the
0: microgrid there yeah yeah
1: that idea went home said Why can't we do this? Let's go talk to the Energy Commission. Let's go get some grants. Let's go find some folks. Let's do so. They did two microgrids for low income communities with two different types of technology. And so to me, that's like that's what I love. So when you're asking me, you know, that just story comes to mind because it really shows the ethic. It really shows what I think makes uh, CCAs unique and how they they. It really is about enabling a community and a large community to move forward. The last one I'll mention then is Sonoma Clean Power was um, given the um, Impact Award for decarbonization. And that was to go with the Advanced Energy Center. And if you haven't been to the Advanced Energy Center in Santa Rosa, everyone should go. And what I would love, my vision is that every community or at least every CCA will have one of these energy centers in their community. It's right on the main street of Santa Rosa, right where they have the farmer's market on a Saturday morning, you can walk in the doors and you can go from station to station and look at what do I need for my home? How could I be more energy efficient? Um, what is a a, um, a heat exchanger? How does that work? Oh, induction cooking, oh, I really love my gas stove. Oh, wait, you've got chefs in here showing how induction cooking works and I can smell it. How awesome is that? Oh, you've partnered with the bike folks that, um, have their store right, the retail store right behind you, where you give um, incentives for electric bikes, so you can bike to work, right? There's and and they'll help. It, it all all you have to do is be a Sonoma Clean Power customer, and they'll do um, um, the billing on your on on your bill, so that it um, they can make it manageable and financeable. And uh, I think for a long time there were no interest rates involved with the loan. So it's this kind of hands-on. You know how some people learn. Audio, what is it? You're going to help me with this. Um, visually, audio, and kinet- kinetic. Are those are three different. I've forgotten the three different ways that we all learn. And with this one, you can put your hands on. You can touch it. You can feel it. You can talk to people. And you can check out the the induction ovens with um, okay. pots and pans to go yeah. home and see with yourself. So and
0: interactive.
1: To me, it really, really has brought it home. It's made it. It's we've gone from theoretical. I mean, really. Unless you've seen a contract for a power purchase agreement, it's very hard to conceptualize until they actually build the project and you go out and you kick the tires and you say, oh,
0: this is how yeah. it works. You're a great, you're a great yeah. spokesperson. I, I love days. what you said I love what you said about the camaraderie I think that these CCAs yeah. are developing. It's it, there're these new organizations and there's a camaraderie, like you said, the sharing of the program ideas. i also love what you said about a green bag webinar. I've never <laughs> heard that term, but I might steal that. We've just got a few more minutes always it's always fun to talk about where people are coming from where they're you know their background so born and raised in guelph ontario is that right
1: that is correct you even okay. say it correctly good for do you do
0: i do i early early influencers i mean what was what were you, what were you doing as a kid
1: you know um outdoors
0: outdoors you know, outdoors.
1: You, you, you are raised in ontario you're a canoeist right you go up canoeing in algonquin park you become an environmentalist, you know, even if you're a farmer, it's, it's what you do. And my town of Guelph was a pilot for different types of initiatives like recycling. I remember growing up in the 70s, having a, two clear bags. The blue one was for recyclables and the white one was for compost. And if you didn't get it right, they didn't pick up your garbage. So <laughs> it goes way back
0: what what took you to new zealand i'm fast forwarding a little bit was did you do part go ahead
1: yeah yeah so i was working for agriculture canada and i could see my future the 2.45 kids in the white picket fence and i had a conversation with one of my professors at queen's university in kingston who was from new zealand who'd worked in nepal he was a soil scientist and he said if i was going to go anywhere for graduate studies i would go to new zealand because there was so much there to study so hmm applied, got in, and off I went on my world adventure.
0: And what was your what was your major then?
1: So physical geography, I had worked hard in my undergrad to put together what is now, you know, a a degree at most universities, where you combine science, economics, and people. So it's the combination of how what is our impact on the natural environment? And what is its impact on us? And how do we do it economically as well? What's right. the financial implications?
0: And then you stayed, it sounds like you stayed in New Zealand and you worked as a staff member for somebody in the New Zealand parliament and you were working on climate and energy issues. Is that
1: exactly? So I went to New Zealand to do my one year master's degree, stayed for 13. I'm a citizen of <laughs> New Zealand, but I was being funded by the largest government department in New Zealand, the Ministry of Works and Development, and it disappeared halfway through my thesis. The check kept coming every month, but they were gone. And so hmm. you, just met me, You get, I ask a lot of questions, and um, it led to this amazing reform they were doing of all of the government of New Zealand. And then on top of that, they reformed the legislation that governs. So I was um, working on the Resource Management Act of 1991. And um, during that time, what we did is repealed over 200 acts of parliament and amended many, many others. And the whole purpose of the act, and it was way ahead of its time, was the sustainable management of the natural and physical resources, and physicals defined as including the built environment. It was a bipartisan effort. I was um, there as the advisor of the implementation of the Act, um, and with that then kind of went out on the world stage to talk about it. So to the United Nations Earth Summit in 1992 with the Minister for the Environment, to talk about how we were implementing this and this different way of looking at things, including the one thing I love about New Zealand is the indigenous people. So we incorporated into the act, the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi. So, mm. you know, they they have a, a closeness with the natural resources and um, a spiritual way yeah. about them. And, and that was very much a part of my, my job was interacting. Took Maori yeah. languages, the whole bit. Really?
0: Nowhere? Okay, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I visited. It was fascinating. What um, what brought you back to? Well, I came to not not back to Canada. You came to, I think, California next.
1: I am married an American, oh, much that, that to my mother's sense. chagrin. No, <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: I met my husband there. He worked for um the for Air New Zealand, um, and eventually my boys were born there. I have twin boys. Um. And we hit a point where part of the Air New Zealand was selling the part of the company that he worked for. And we had this big conversation, you know, we need to come back, look after family, um, aging parents and said, oh, we'll just come back for four years and then we'll go back to New Zealand because we love it here. And of course, that's not what happened. So um, I um, have been here now for over 20 years.
0: It sounds like a lot of that was uh, working for BV Consulting.
1: Yes, I'll t- all right, I don't know if I want you to put this on the on the podcast, but honestly, I came back and I've never encountered something where you have at will employment. I thought that was crazy. You don't have that in Canada, you don't have it in New Zealand. And I thought, oh well, all right, then I'll just work for myself. Um, and so I started my consulting company and I focused on public policy in all different areas. Um, and I worked with nonprofits. Private sector, public sector, did work uh, for various agencies in Sacramento, um, and I a lot of it was focused on climate change, energy, water, um, but I also did work in the areas of goods movement and transportation, and also IT. It's a weird. Hmm. I got into a project on sustainability indicators um, for California, and then for the feds, and then out of that, my new best friends were all these IT. Guys, and um, found that I really enjoyed it and so that's uh, a little secret of uh, an area that I find really really interesting and uh, full of potential is how it says, to use says something
0: about you too that, that, that that's a pretty techie that's a pretty techie side of you of, of Beth I think. I can um, get a
1: little nerdy. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, well I guess you have to be so uh, we're, 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 we're really at the end of our time but but then you went then you went we're involved with the California co-generation council I think concurrent with with that. Correct. and that yes. that really kind of put you in this trade association mode was that mm-hmm. was that really the logical step to to come into this California CCA
1: yes I think that that I think I was asked to come in and I was actually asked to come in and evaluate what would it take to do a standalone association I had a background both running an association for 10 years but also I've worked with other, nonprofits on bylaws and governance structures that sort of thing and then on top of that back in 2010 well 2009 2010 I was part of a settlement the combined heat and power settlement where I worked with the investor owned utilities and um, the ratepayer advocates and uh, co-generation um, advocates uh, we actually counted we had over 500 meetings. <laughs> Where we work together to come up with a settlement of how we would move forward. And I think that that is one of the reasons they were, the the thought was, oh, you know how to work with the IOUs, right? Mm -hmm. You've got this relationship already. Um, You'll be able to, you know, sort of fighting. Could we actually find a path forward where we could work together?
0: Yeah, that sounds really great. Yeah. Well, so, so good to, so good to talk to you and hear about what's happening. And we'll, I look forward to catching up again. (laughs) in a few years
1: absolutely we're we're really
0: ccas are really they're really evolving
1: well we're growing and and probably the next thing i know i said my focus is on climate but my focus is always also on hiring so i'm doing a little pitch that we're going to be hiring about five new staff in the next couple of months and um there's just uh so much more to be done it's super exciting so yes we'll have to have you come to one of our events we had um In person conference last May with over 600 people attended.
0: I actually had I had a staff person that attended it and said it was it it sounded like it was just fantastic. It made me really want to go to I I want to go to the next one.
1: It's you know not only do the CCAs have that sense of collaboration and working together, but they like to party together too. So
0: I I got that. I got got that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Please come. All right,
0: that's a good way to end. Cheers. Thanks so much. Uh, so thanks for, for being part of the podcast
1: thank you very much and I'll talk, we'll talk again soon
0: that's it thanks for listening to Flanagan's Ecologic we'll see you next time